Um, <laughs> all right. Where are we here? Okay. So then we, we then see H.G. Tannhaus. Speaking of the center of the labyrinth, here we are. Mm-hmm. Every pain entices us to act, shapes our will. Tannhaus lost all that ever meant anything to him in the origin world. His son, daughter-in-law, and granddaughter died in a car accident. They were forced off a bridge and drowned in the river. He never forgot that pain. Mm-hmm. If Jonas and Marta take away that pain, he won't need to look for a way to fix it. Tanhouse is standing inside what looks like a classroom. He turns the television off and walks out. He walks outside and ends up in front of the bunker. Yeah. I was trying to figure out, I guess when I saw that scene with Tanhouse, I was like, where is he? You know, because he's in this he's in this room. It was like the classroom. I thought, mm-hmm. well, is this the room that he Records filmed in. the TV show? Was mm-hmm. it like the screening studio? And then he comes out and there's a desk and it looks like a heater unit on the wall. And he mm-hmm. walks outside and then outside is the bunker. But I was, I was like, is this his clock shop? Oh. Is he moving? You know, I just it was just a little confusing where Maybe he was. In the origin and, world, he lived in that that cabin there. You know, the cabin that Helge, like, does his whittling inside. Maybe that's where his TV studio is, inside that cabin. And then he, like, mm. walked over to the bunker, which is, like, on the same property. Yes. Okay. Well, we could, we could, uh, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll look into that um, some point this week. I'll <laughs> find those scenes that are filmed inside the cabin where Helge's making pine cone stuff and see if there's a heater unit on the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good plan. Mm. So in the Winden Caves, Jonas and Marta follow the red thread to the sick Munis door. They open the door and crawl inside. When they come to a sealed off portion, they sit down and wait for Tannhaus to open the portal. Jonas explains that Tannhaus tried to time travel so he could bring his family back. Instead, he split the worlds and created them. In that moment, there will be a bridge between all three worlds. They will then travel to where Tannhaus's pain began. Jonas finally allows himself the privilege of looking at Marta. He wants to know what the Jonas in her world was like. It's an interesting question because in one sense, there is no Jonas in her world. But now, in actuality, there was a Jonas in her world because Alt-Marta brought him there. But the Jonas in her world is actually the Jonas from his world. Him. Only it's Jonas before all of that. This is a slightly less jaded Jonas. Yes, he saw Marta die, but he hasn't survived an apocalypse in a basement or spent years trying to recreate the God Particle. Yeah, I I didn't think that she even knew Jonas well enough to even answer that question. It's like, what what was the Jonas like in your world? Well, he appeared out of nowhere and he acted cryptic. (laughs) Yeah. And we hung out for like two days and did a bunch of weird <laughs> stuff. And that's it. <laughs> it's not like she had like a lot of history with him or anything. Yeah. He was a stalker. He hadn't showered. Was... <laughs> yeah. That bothered me the most. <laughs> I think that was just supposed to be like a mirror of when Martha asked the same question of him. So it just mm-hmm. seems like an appropriate, you know, story thread for him to ask her the same question. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I thought I noticed that too. But I I thought this was at first I was like, well, she's not telling him and I'm like, well, what could she really say? You know, yeah. um <laughs> they would take too long to explain it than maybe they have. Who knows? 
Uh, Marta doesn't answer the question. We then cut to Tanhouse pushing the red buttons. The nuclear device lights up orange. The path of stars begins to fill the caves and repeat. Oh, sorry. The path of stars begins to fill the caves and the portal. Eva and Adam embrace, finally ready to forgive one another. The portal mm-hmm. to the third world opens, showing a blinding light. Maybe this is the point that I saw that really bright white, um, white hot lightning that made me think that was what, what, you know, destroyed the world. It could have been this point. It could have been earlier, but either way, like he's got a lot of juice running through that thing. Um, he, smart dude. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no power plant in the, um, in the origin world. The power plant just doesn't exist there. So he can't be using like nuclear fission. He has to be using, I don't know, scientist smarts, I guess. I don't know what he's using as his basis, but um, mm-hmm. I'll let you continue because I don't know the answer to yeah, that. Yeah, there was no PowerPoint <laughs> because they, the unknown wasn't there to make sure the uh, permit was signed. <laughs> That's right. That's the only reason, the paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jonas opens his eyes and he's in an eternal hallway like the Infinity Room in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory only covered with black, glittery stars. The stars move in lines around him like an escalator. He calls for Marta. She's nowhere to be found, and his voice echoes in a chasm of nothingness. He begins to walk as if he can reach the end. I love this stuff. I love when when there's certain shows that do this and do this well. Um, The couple I can think of besides Dark would be like the OA um, have you seen that yet? You have mm-hmm. not seen OA. Um, but yeah, this occurs in the OA as well, where somebody is like outside of time and outside of space. And it's it's very similar to this. And it, it I don't know, it moves me for some reason. I, I like that aspect that that kind of like astral plane, you know, can exist and somehow you can break through and be in it. Um, you know, it would terrify me if it actually happened, but like, you know, in like just my daydreaming, it's just something really neat happened in the last Jedi as well, where like Ray and Kylo Ren, uh, did the same thing with like astral, um, mind <laughs> sharing, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, dark just seems to hit on all the things that like, I like all the little details that I enjoy. Such as this, like they, they do this so well with the stars. Maybe somebody else might think it's cheesy. Um, I'm not one of those people. I'm, I'm a sucker for it. Yeah, I've seen, I haven't seen as much science fiction TV as you, but I've seen, seen like this more in movies. Like I'm thinking of Interstellar where, mm-hmm. you know, Christopher Nolan's Interstellar. And then um, i trying to think of what the other, some of the movie I was thinking of that deals with, time travel but yeah it's done it's done really well the special effects are really good on this um yeah uh yeah i was like there somebody was using the interstellar scene when um matthew mcconaughey is like trying to yell at his older self to like they should we're showing <laughs> um like a, an interpretation of joe coy like yelling himself to like not do the speech where he says the word boobies <laughs> at the golden globes Okay, really yes. funny. okay. I mean, I will um, say I think that this scene is lasts a little too long because they yell each other's names for a bit too long for my liking. Um, 
it could have been shorter. I will say that. I mean, I do have a couple criticisms of this um, this episode. That'd be one of them. This scene did go out, did play out for a very long time. Oh, I liked it. I I'm not I'm, I'm I disagree, but okay. That's probably because you've seen so much more science fiction show. You're like, ah, this again. All right. Okay. We also see Marta in the Stargate. She calls for Jonas. It's as if the two can hear each other, but dimly. Marta tries to run too, but there's nowhere to go. Jonas then turns and he hears laughter. And the whole, like, the two of them hearing each other, and you think maybe they can hear each other. It mm-hmm. kind of reminded me of that Ulrich Mikkel scene in the cave when they oh, were sure. like yelling for each other. <laughs> yeah. Different, but the same. Yeah, because then they were like in completely different times. Um, yeah, that is very similar. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A door opens at the end of the portal. A little girl with dark hair stares at him through a closet door. We then hear and see Katerina calling for Marta. This little girl is a wee little Marta with big brown eyes. She tells her mother that the boy looks sad. Katarina can't see a little boy. Marta's wallpaper appears to be green and pink, and it makes me think of the pink scarf that she wore the first time we saw her at the high school. Elsewhere, Marta sees a similar portal, and a little boy with blonde red hair and a yellow rain jacket stares at her through the open doorway (laughs) of his basement. Must be the same basement where he survived an apocalypse. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Michael comes to check on him. Marta begins to cry, and this is big Marta now. Big Marta begins to cry and smiles at the image of sweet little Jonas pointing at her. So, fun fact, there are three characters in different life phases in this Stargate. Jonas, Marta, and Michael slash Mikkel. In Jonas's house, Michael is the loving father. In Marta's world, he's a coming attraction in Katarina's very pregnant belly. In case you feel the show has forgotten him, they feature him prominently in this important moment. That's when I read this um, earlier today. That's when I first got the idea that like they should have used like some scenes like with um, the younger Mikkel. But I mean, you're right. It's really neat how like I didn't notice that how Michael was there with Jonas and Michael was in her belly uh, when she was talking to um, little Martha. I don't really quite understand the significance of this scene of them seeing their younger selves besides the fact that it's adorable. (laughs) I mean, it's like very adorable, Um, Mm -hmm. but I, I haven't really grasped the understanding of it. Um, mm-hmm. why they saw each other as children. Like I, I understand that like, okay, they've, they've always been part of each other's lives. Like these glitches that they see and they've always known each other. That's why um, Jonas looks familiar to her and in the classroom because she had a flashback to this moment, I suppose um, of seeing this Jonas but yeah, other than that, I don't really, I, I, I wasn't really understanding like why they were showing us this. Hmm. Yeah, there's, okay, so um, I was on Twitter and I put something, I put something, I put my episode seven recap and somebody mentioned 
somebody responded and said, quantum entanglement also explains Jonas and Marta seeing each other in the Stargate. And I was like, well, we're not quite to episode eight yet, but can you say more? And they mm-hmm. posted me, I think they posted me a Reddit link on Twitter. I can see if I can find that and send it to you. But what what this person was saying was that when they, so this is a change, right? Like this is the first time or the time that this happened oh, for them. Yes, so yes. when they, when they entered this stargate or wormhole, whatever this is, it impacts them. It, you know, it impacts them to the ability that it actually, they saw it when they were younger now at this point. So in this wormhole, time doesn't exist. And so them seeing this at younger versions is like, that is also a change, but then it it exists once they go in there it exists. So it kind of proves the proves the thing, proves that this whole thing mm. about wormholes. And um, again, uh, I say this later, but if you look at the recap, that is the conversation, the episode with the conversation between the Tan House and the Stranger, he talks about mm-hmm. the wormhole and what happens when the light goes forward and comes around behind you and it pokes a hole and he does something with the pencil and everything. And yeah, that's what okay, okay. that's what this moment makes me think of, especially later mm. in a few minutes when they back into each other. But somebody else actually pointed out another fact, which I didn't think about, is that in the wormhole, we have we actually have an extra person I didn't mention. Because we have Michael Mickle, we have Jonas, two forms of Jonas. We have Marta, two forms of Jonas. Y- of Marta, Mickle, two forms of Michael and Mickle. We have one version of Katarina, and then we have one more person, the unknown, who's in Marta's belly. Oh, like really, really tiny, like a little tiny zygote at this point. <laughs> but yeah, he's there. Yeah, and um, so this that was in the one I sent you earlier, Steve, and that 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 is one part you mentioned how cynical that. Um, this write-up is, but there was something mm-hmm. uncynical, and that was the moment when they're talking about um, I can't really do it justice, but they were talking about this moment with five of these characters and everybody who's um, shown sacrifices themselves because, like, Katarina sacrifices herself for Ulrich and Mikkel with, right. um, she ends up getting killed by her mother. Um Michael sacrifices himself, of course, Jonas and Marta do. And then she, she actually, the person actually says the unknown uh, sacrificed himself and dies for both of his parents as well. Um, I don't remember that happening. <laughs> I think that's, I think it's a philosophical reach there that I'm not. Conjecture. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. But, I um, mean, it's an interesting, yeah. interesting observation though. You're right. Because I didn't think about the fact that she's very newly pregnant here. <laughs> very newly pregnant. Yeah. But that kind of, uh, that actually like your explanation there about how they saw each other when they were children actually um, confused me worse. So <laughs> I do need to <laughs> look more into this because I'm thinking, oh, this explains why she recognized Jonas 
in the classroom that day. But mm-hmm. then I'm like, oh, well, that doesn't exist anymore because they're getting ready to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're getting ready but to, it does you know. once they go into this portal it did happen so now she saw him when she was young once they go in and then Jonas and remember he sees her in this image he sees her with the bangs right so that mm-hmm. further that further solidifies my theory that Jonas actually loves the bang Marta more because she's the <laughs> one he saw in the wormhole Oh, right. Yep. And it was like this first, the first impression is always the best impression. That's right. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, they're still, they're still there in the, in the, in the floaty world. So I'll, I'll I'll let you continue now. I'm sorry. Okay. So both Marta and Jonas begin to back up and find each other at an invisible corner. Jonas then powers up the golden snitch and they walk towards the portal, dissolving into the light. There are a lot of fun posts on Reddit to analyze what this strange interlude means, but I encourage you to go back and watch episode 1.8, So You Sow, So You Shall Reap, or read my recap, linked into the recap, because mm-hmm. the dialogue between Tannhaus and the Stranger basically channels this whole final episode. Pay attention to the parts about the wormhole and the light coming from behind you, and I think the wormhole that they talk about in that episode is exactly what happens here. So maybe watching that will help you too, Steve. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think I've already said this, but I mean, I think it goes without saying. Anybody who's made it this far in the series and in the show and in this podcast here is going to be rewatching the show. I mean, going back to episode <laughs> one and rewatching it all over again. It's like it's like the show is a feedback loop, or you finish watching it and you want to rewatch it again. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they've gone to the wormhole and they found each other. They got lost for a minute. They found each other, and now they use the they use the wormhole to then mm-hmm. time travel. We hear a storm raging outside. We are now in the origin world, nineteen seventy one. On the desk is a family photo of Merrick, Sonia, and baby Charlotte. There is a lot of pink in the photo with the blanket, <laughs> Sonia's coat. And the stroller. We enter mid-argument between H.G. Tanhouse and his son, Merrick. The argument seems to be about whether or not Merrick wants to own the store one day. Tanhouse always assumed he would, but Merrick feels his dad never really listens to what he has to say. Sonia stands by awkwardly holding baby Charlotte, and you can tell this is an argument they've had before. There's something about this couple that reminds me of Magna San Francisco, probably because of the hair lengths and colors. (laughs) Technically, they are no relation since Tanhouse is only Charlotte's adopted grandfather. Merrick gets angry and blames his father for chasing his mother off. He's only ever interested in theorizing about science. (laughs) Merrick wants his dad to see him for who he is. Tanhouse just remarks that it's raining outside. (laughs) (laughs) The ways of the human heart aren't something he can communicate about easily. Merrick's face expresses a world of hurt. He walks out, clearly ready to hit the road. He's not interested Mm -hmm. in being around his father anymore. Tanhouse tells Sonia he thought they would stay a few more days. Sonia sheepishly responds that Merrick will calm down eventually. She walks out too and they take off in the car. Right on. There's a good stopping point there. 
Um, yeah, I'd really love this with these two. You're absolutely right. They do remind me of Magnus and Francisca. I didn't know if that was intentional or not. I think it might be because <laughs> they've set us up to like Francisca and Magnus a lot. And this is the first time we're meeting these two, right? We haven't, mm -hmm. we've seen their picture lots of times, but I think it's really neat. Like this is, this is the first time we actually get to meet them and we see all this stuff go down and um, yeah, Tanhouse, the way he is with his kid, it's like, obviously they're on two different levels where Tanhouse is like in his head a lot and thinking about theories and his, his brain's probably always working and thinking about three or four different things. And Merrick is just like a focused person who's just like <laughs> looking at his dad, like, um, <laughs> you ever going to pay attention to me ever? <laughs> um, you know, I've been on both sides of that. So I mean, it's, I don't think either one of them are necessarily wrong. They could both use some work, but I mean, it's not like they're, they're bad. They're just oil and water here where, you know, Merrick is correct. You know, his dad should be a little more observant and more, um, uh, I don't know. His comment about the rain is funny because it's like, he wants to express to his kid, oh, you can't leave now. It's like raining outside. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get in an accident or something. But instead, he's just like, it's raining outside. Like, you know, he has a, t has a touch of autism, poor guy. And he just can't express himself well. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, we don't see the beginning of this argument, kind of how it started. But mm -hmm. you get the feeling that there's just a lot of built-up resentment um, because... Tannhaus doesn't even seem like he's really yelling <laughs> at all. Yeah. Like he just, Merrick just says like, do you have to, I think he starts it by saying, do you have to bring that up every single time? And Tannhaus is like, well, I just thought at some point you might want to own the sore. And Merrick's just mad. Right. Uh, we're not sure exactly, you know, he doesn't say, you know, if he has a dream, what's your dream? <laughs> Tell us what your dream is, Merrick. You know, like, um, <laughs> but he's just kind of like, you didn't ask Sonia. You didn't ask me. Why don't right. you try talking to us about what our what we kind of where we see our lives going? What I saw is, I mean, I, I guess from personal experience too, like when you um, get together with your family, it's really easy to like upset another person um, with just mm -hmm. a look or just a phrase or just anything that like dredges up some old past resentment. And there's obviously a lot of resentment with these two guys. So yeah, it seems natural to me that like three minutes before this happened, they were just kind of standing around like chatting, not having a bad time at all. And then, you know, Tanhouse just says something that triggered Merrick and then Merrick went into anger mode and then Tanhouse went into, you know, hiding mode. Or whatever he, whatever defense he does when he's upset. And yeah. yeah, I think this was just like years in the making of this moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, it almost feels like they just arrived too. Like they're both kind of still wearing right. their coats. <laughs> <laughs> they just got there and they already got into a fight. I mean, yeah. it didn't take long at all. Um, so, oh, the yeah, rain oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. You said that it was, um, you said it was 1971. Mm -hmm. Now I, I wrote down that it was 1969. That's what I thought 
because like based on his hair length and what they were listening to on the radio and stuff. So how did I just I just based it on the song on the radio. Um, mm-hmm. How did you come to 1971? It's on their grave. What date they died. Okay, perfect. That's a clear indicator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, I guess we talked about last week how they're not giving us any clues. So yeah, the, the screen doesn't say 1971. There's Mm-mm. You have to come up with that deduction on your own. Yeah, that's why I came with 69, because that's the song they're listening to. It's a song that my band covers now. <laughs> a song called 1969 by the Stooges that's playing on the radio. Um, well, you're getting ready to talk about it right now, but yeah, I recognize that song as we play it. Yeah, I was, uh, when I was looking for the artist of the montage song, I went to one of those websites where it says every song in the episode and tells you like mm-hmm. what moment they did it. And they mentioned the name of the song by the Stooges. And I was like, I was uh, scanning the lyrics to see if there's a, if there was anything meaningful. I didn't really find anything, but it's not, it's yeah. There's no <laughs> meaning to Stooges lyrics. Just, you know, kids being angry. Yeah. So the rain is coming down hard and the two drive down what might be forest road. Sonia talks to Merrick softly trying to get him to calm down a bit. He says, you have no idea what he's like. Growing up that way, he lives in his head and his big ideas. Have you ever seen what he does? I don't get why anyone watches that stuff. And that part made me laugh, Steve, because we're watching that yep. stuff. We're watching that TV episode right now, That's aren't we? That's right. Exactly. <laughs> he only ever looked up. Stars, galaxies, stupid universes, but me, he never saw me. Yeah, when he says that stuff, the stuff he's, you know, can you believe the shit that he does? Nobody watches that <laughs> stuff. And yeah, that's, it's those, it's those PBS shows. I think that was so neat how they like kind of offhandedly brought that up. Um, you know, you could miss it if you blinked. Mm-hmm. Sonia mainly just listens, but she does remark that you can't choose your family. Mm-hmm. Merrick responds, I chose you. They smile at each other and kiss. The comparison to Magnus and Francisca continues as these two lovers listen to rock music and talk to each other. If they die, then together, which is what can happen when you kiss while driving in the rain. (laughs) Now, see, I thought that's what was going to happen. Like, (laughs) I remember the first time I saw this. And you're getting ready to tell us that Jonas and Martha like appear in the appear in front of them. And they slam on their brakes. I was like, oh, no, it's because of Eunice and Martha that they crashed their car. But instead, somehow (laughs) they save them by appearing in front of their car. Yeah. And let's remember, too, that this is the spot where like Helge has his car crash. So, oh, it is another mirror. Yeah, I didn't know that. Okay. Just then, Jonas and Marta appear in a cloud of stars in the middle of the road. Merrick and Sonia scream as the car swerves, barely missing the strange duo. They screech to a halt, and Sonia checks that the baby is okay. No one is hurt. They look out the windshield and see Jonas and Marta, the travelers, blocking the road like a couple of guardian angels. Merrick gets out to check on them, yelling at their irresponsibility. Neither Marta or Jonas says anything leaving Merrick unsure what to do next. 
He asks if they're okay and wants to know if they need help. Jonas just says, the bridge is closed. There was an accident. Then Merrick starts to get mad, thinking they're pulling a prank. He starts to walk back to the car. So Jonas says, what we know is a drop. What we don't know is an ocean. Merrick stops dead in his tracks. Jonas doesn't know that this is a magical phrase that Tannehals used to say. He just heard it from Adam. Marta follows up by saying, your father loves you. He would do anything for you. Now Merrick looks nervous, frozen by these two guardian angels that come with messages of philosophy and love. <laughs> yeah, this is what I was saying earlier. It's like Jonas is the philosopher that gives him the, the quote that stops him dead in his tracks. But then if Martha hadn't followed it up with, you know, what she said with the love, then perhaps, you know, Merrick would have just assumed that he was just a weirdo on the road. <laughs> <laughs> And I do like how he like turns from like being pissed off to like, and you guys, you guys good. Was mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> he's like genuinely concerned for them because it it is weird how hard it's raining and how they're just standing there. Yeah. Oh, and you catch the bridge part too, right? Jonas says the bridge is closed. He's not just talking about the bridge on the road. He's talking about like the bridge between the two worlds. You could like you know, look at it that way as well. The Eisen, the Eisen Rosen bridge or whatever they call that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's true. That's I didn't think about kind of what I was thinking. I didn't see anybody else bring that up. So I guess it's just my, my line of thinking, but it makes sense to me. Yeah. Let's also appreciate the fact that Jonas has this giant neck scar and they're both, okay. um, well, Jonas especially is filthy, of course. He's always, <laughs> he always, uh, he's never very clean. Marta had, before she um, got on the bike with Bartosz, she did shower. So she's a little more kempt. But <laughs> I liked how, you know, this is, we're, we're near the bus stop and this is kind of, when um, in season two, Jonas comes here, he's got this neck scar from being almost hung. And then he has to like disguise himself with mm-hmm. peop- with people um, to like, he has to disguise himself when he meets like Ulrich and Katarina and Mikkel in the car and uh, then with Marta at the lake. So mm-hmm. the neck scar is something that, he's been he's been hiding that he's been kind of hiding and not also like hiding in the sense that he didn't want to believe he would become adam and so i like how he's just kind of like not trying to hide anything you know at this point he's like i'm fully this is who i am this is all my scars i'm not gonna hide anything from you and I'm telling you the truth. And he's like, I've been, this is a guy who's been through some shit. I mean, like, I mean, why wouldn't you listen to this guy who's showed up? I mean, <laughs> he's not looking good, but on this, on, on the one sense is like, it may, you, you understand why Merrick is worried, you know, are you guys okay? You know, do you need yes. help or anything? But I like how, I like how just like, resolved Jonas looks in this moment 
yeah, I can buy that. I like how wet he looks. They're soaked <laughs> to the bone. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're Jesus. just... <laughs> nobody's trying to nobody's got nobody's got any umbrellas uh nobody's got any but this is this is a complicated plan um i'm sorry did i interrupt you did i interrupt you no go ahead i'll, con- I'll continue that <laughs> yeah, this is a, a plan like this must have been explained to Jonas by either adam or claudia like this whole sequence of events and like you have to appear here at this time and there'll be a car that comes and you have to like stop this guy from doing this thing. And, you know, at some point he had to explain that to Martha too. Now all this happened off stage, maybe back behind like Eva's (laughs) Eva's lair, maybe backstage they talked about this, but you know, this, this involves some planning that we didn't see. So, um, you know, Jonas is very quiet. We don't see him doing a whole lot, but, you know, this plan took some finessing. Trying to give him some props. <laughs> I don't get that vibe at all. Oh, yeah? I think they're given a charge that you need to stop this accident from happening. But I think I think they are ad-libbing this. I think they're making this up feet. as they go along, which is... That's what it seems like. <laughs> yeah. It's not... Because, like, he says... Like Merrick walks away and he's ready to get into his car, and then Adam's like, "What we know is a drop. What we don't know is an ocean." That's <laughs> he's true. like, he's That's thinking. True. Adam said that to me, and it sounded pretty good. So maybe. And then Marta's like, "Your father loves you." You know, they're just, they're just, okay. they're just saying. They're not saying like beautifully thought of words. They're saying like what's in their heart. Um, she wants Merrick to know, you know. You're losing you will wreck him, you know, but she doesn't, she can't really say that. So she just says, you know, your father loves you. And I don't know. Right. I, do, I don't get the feeling that Adam's like, say this, say that. It doesn't come out that way. It comes out very um, natural sounding. Like, no, you're right. It yeah. does seem like they're thinking on their feet. I was just think. I was just trying to kind of tell myself like, yeah, this is a pretty intricate plan they're working out here, but maybe you're right. I mean, maybe this is just time and luck working on their side. Yeah, because but yeah, let's, ooh, yeah, because if like I think if if he had if he had because <laughs> like what he says is really awkward. The bridge is closed. There was an accident. <laughs> it's like okay, there's no signs. They just sent you two to like mm-hmm. be the be the warning device. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, this is 1971. So, you know, they don't have a lot of uh, <laughs> safety equipment back then. Yeah. So, um, Sonia finally gets out of the car to check on her husband. Merrick, and she brings the baby with her. I guess you yeah, don't leave not? babies alone, but still. Merrick <laughs> decides to listen to the pair and echoes that the bridge is out. Both the messages of Jonas and Marta were needed. Jonas repeats a phrase that Merrick knows is unique to his father. This gets his attention, but perhaps that alone wouldn't have been enough to stop Merrick from trying to leave that night. Marta speaks the words he's been desperate to hear, that his father cares about him and places value on having a relationship with him. Perhaps he doesn't believe it at that moment, but Marta's words may spark a seed of hope that the love is there, and that is enough to make him turn around. 
They get in the car and head back to Tanhouse's home, and they will leave tomorrow instead of today. Um, uh, but I do okay. One more thing I'm gonna say about this. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I like this part also because I feel like there's a lot of truth in it. That um, you know, he turns around, he makes his last decision. We're just gonna go back to the house. And, um, you know, there was no plan behind it's like he just decides, yeah, I'll stay one more night. But I think that there is a level of truth in that, that, um, you know, relationships are built on the little things, you know, it's the little things that count, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. you go, you meet somebody at the airport for half an hour, you know, and that's it. It seems small, but those little things add up and they're really important to, you know, continuing a relationship with somebody so in mm-hmm. this one moment results in circles upon circles of change in everybody's life and in the town's life that's right what have you ever heard of the phrase on um, the trust bucket uh no okay i'll tell you and everybody um what you just said reminded me of it it's like they say that the um when you when you um, build a relationship with someone, you um, build up a trust with them, and you fill up a bucket one drop at a time. So it takes a long time to fill up that trust bucket, but all it takes is one swift kick to knock the bucket over and lose all that trust. That's just a little thing that's always stuck with me, and what you just said reminded me of that. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. <clears throat> So, okay, they turn the car around in front of the famous bus stop. There are three red stoplights making a triangle. In the middle are Marta and Jonas. (laughs) Marta and Jonas then watch the car drive off. And again, the taillights make a triangle with the other two points being Jonas and Marta. Marta and Jonas look at each other, wondering if it worked. I didn't notice the little triangle thing. I need to go back and look at that and... um just to see that (laughs) at the clock shop Merrick and Sonia enter making the bell ring Tanhouse comes out expressing his surprise at their return Sonia mentions that Merrick thinks they met a pair of angels Merrick looks at his father oddly perhaps looking for signs of the love Tanhouse steps forward and embraces his son maybe something he hasn't done much Merrick Mm -hmm. hugs him back and these two men don't seem to know what to do next. And Merrick breaks the ice by taking the luggage upstairs. Sonia asks if he would like to hold baby Charlotte and leaves the room to help Merrick. Tanhouse looks down at Charlotte and it's not 100% clear, but it almost looks like Charlotte has a scar above her lip like the unknown. Tanhouse's pain has been erased. Yeah, that's cute. This might be the first time he's held that baby. Um <laughs> Because, you know, you you said that they, they just got there and they got into a fight and then they stormed out. So, yeah, maybe they were coming just to, like, introduce Tanhouse to his, his new grandson. Um, they've driven from a long way to get there. And so this might be the first time he's actually held her and looked at her. Mm-hmm. Um, and this Charlotte is, is not going to grow up to be Charlotte Doppler. This Charlotte is going to grow up to be who we know as Inez, right? What makes you think it's Inez? 
because in this uh, in the world one Adam's world, this is accident happens. The, the t- they die, but the baby was never found. Right. But then we know that Daniel, um, what's his last name? Daniel. Daniel Conwald. Conwald. Yeah. Rescued that baby and adopted her and raised her and named her Inez. So I, I do believe. <laughs> Where did you get that from? Because because Daniel raised Daniel adopted and raised Inez, right? I I have no information about Inez being adopted. Oh yeah, because they um, you know Daniel is her her father, and mm-hmm. there's like speculation that that the baby that I think that happens like around um. Well, some of the first times we go to 1953 and Daniel Conwald talks about, or they talk about, you know, this baby that he, that he is raising by himself. And there's, I think, I believe we talked about this speculation. I I do believe this baby doesn't grow up to be Charlotte as we know her. Yeah, it's not, it's not our Charlotte, but I don't think it's Inez either. Because her name's Charlotte. Why would her name be right. Inez? Her name would not be Inez. That's why I'm saying this little baby grows up to be who we know as Inez. But her name is actually going to be Charlotte. She's going to have the look of Inez, but she won't have been raised by Daniel Conwald. She'll instead have been raised by her real parents. That's my head canon. My head canon is that they got into that accident off the bridge that the that Merrick and Sonia died and Daniel Conwald was the first one on site, found the baby, secretly took the baby, raised it. The baby was never found. The baby's body was never found, but they, you know, went ahead and made a grave for it anyway. And that's canon that the baby was never found. Yeah, the baby was <laughs> We we talked so, yeah, about it maybe just, being we talked about it maybe being um, the baby time traveling and becoming um, <laughs> becoming like Heinrich's wife, the one that died in eighteen twenty something. But I've never heard of this I'm, Inez theory. <laughs> You'll that's have my to theory. send me. That's that's what I think. I think that she that it's going to be Inez. I really do. And what you know. We we're almost at the end here, so we don't have to go too into yeah. the weeds with it. But I'll let you I'll give okay. give you some food for thought, and <clears> we'll <throat> uh, we'll we'll revisit that subject. Across town, I guess. I guess, like, if it's your theory, that's fine. I thought you were saying, like, yeah, we've talked about this before, and it's like it's something that I know about or that I'm agreeing with. And I was like, I've never heard I of thought, this before. <laughs> I thought that I thought that that is what it was. I thought me and you were going to agree that, and we'd be like, hell yeah, we're the ones who figured that out. <laughs> but I guess it's just me. <laughs> I, I the only thing I know about Inez and Daniel is that like he might have sexually abused her, and that he made her toes to Hawaii and used to sing like Elvis. That's all I know. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's not something nice. <laughs> but that doesn't okay, end up so, happening though in this world. <laughs> that's true. It's true. It's a different world. But never mind. Okay. Yeah. Moving on. Across town, Jonas and Marta wait near the bus stop to see what will happen next. She wonders if it worked. Jonas walks towards her. Their mission complete. He finally makes an effort to connect with her. 
He tells her he saw her inside the light as a child. It looked like she could see him too. Marta begins to cry. She thought that was a dream. She asks if any of them will remain or were they just a dream too. They both weep and their bodies begin to dissolve into tiny particles. Jonas then says, we're a perfect match, never believe anything else. They hold hands as their existence turns into dust and they look at the bus stop in their final seconds. I said the bus stop in the recap, but now I'm realizing what they were looking at or why. I was like, why are they looking at the bus stop? Because they kind of turn around and face it. But Mm -hmm. now you said something that clicked with me, Steve. They are showing that there's no power plant. That's why they Mm -hmm. did that Mm -hmm. scene where they um, show them framed that way, looking Mm -hmm. past the bus stop because they're trying, they want to tell us that there's no wind and power plant. But I, that's why I wrote in the, (laughs) I wrote the wrong thing in the recap. Yeah. Well, you can always edit it. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, this moment though, like couples goals here, this is like a big moment in the show. Um, You know, people say that like, if you don't cry during this moment, you're a monster. And I guess I'm a monster. I didn't cry. I mean, this is, (laughs) I'm sorry. I thought it was amazing and I loved it and I was enamored, but it, it didn't make me tear up. I'm sorry to say most people it does. I think I cried the I cried the first time, but this time I cried when Merrick um, comes back and he talks to his yeah. dad and his and then Tanhouse hugs him. That made me cry yes. this time. Oh, okay. But yeah, yeah is this is nice too. <laughs> I mean, it's it's lovely. It's beautiful. Um, yeah. And I like how, you know, yeah, she she asks if like it's a dream, and they don't mm. really have an answer. They're, they're like, maybe it is. I don't know. Kind of seems like it. Um, they don't really give us a definite answer, but we do know that they are a perfect match. Is what we do know. Um, that's it's lovely. It is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I finally, Jonas cry. is finally Jonas is uh, not acting like. Somebody with no feelings whatsoever. <laughs> well, this is his last moment. So, yeah, he's, he's got to have some feeling. And yeah, I will say now I didn't I didn't love the song choice they went with here. You already know this. I um I kind of wish they'd gone with something different. Um, not that this is a bad song or even a bad version of it, but I don't know. I just wasn't happy they, they chose um, this the song that they did. Um, that was my, my only other like sour note of the episode was that the, uh, the sequence with the, uh, the stars and like the, the, the portal gate lasted too long. And I wish they'd used a different song other than that stand up episode. Yeah. And I think this is a question we all kind of wonder, you know, like, will anything mm. of me remain behind after I'm gone? Mm-hmm. And people wonder this. They say, like, this is how you prepare for your death is you like think about what will my legacy be? So I just I like that they put that in there, too. Hmm. Yeah, I think I already said what our legacy will be. We're leaving our legacy of our podcast and your recaps behind. Um, I don't, that's, that's a weird concept to me. I know that, like, 
there's like a certain type of person. Usually it's like a male that like a, a presidential type of person, you know, that has that kind of ego that like fills the room and they have like, they, they, they can make people work. They make things happen. They're just like, they have just this, you know, this je ne sais quoi about them. That's like this, I don't know. And their mark on the world, what they think, what that type of person believes that their mark on the world has to be is so much different from like my philosophy of what I think my mark on the world should be. I don't think it should be like a, a big building or a big philosophy or a big movement or like my name and some kind of recognition. I just want the people that I knew to like, you know, <laughs> have loved me and respected me. That's all I want. There's really nothing else like no object in my house, I think can like really represent anything. Um, so yeah, that, I think that's just what we leave behind is like memories that we share with other people. So maybe nothing hmm. will be left behind of Jonas and Martha in that respect. Um, but yeah, that's, I don't that's, think that's, that's just I think a male about. thing. I think, I think most people want to know that they've left a mark on the world somehow. I mean, yeah, that's why I'm writing. I write and, you know, people will maybe read my writing and it will mean something to them. You know, I don't think that's just men and certain types of men that want to know, you know, that's mm -hmm. why we make art. That's why we do we do things because we want we want to be like, what what is that thing? People used to go to a, a telephone pole and put Jack was here. You know, they're like, I existed. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I guess it's my male perspective. I guess it's just what what I've perceived. I've I've usually seen that type of person as a male. I haven't seen like a um a really overly egotistical driven woman in my life that was like so um character driven in that way. I mean, I'm sure I've met them, but like the people that have made like impressions as like, you know, egocentrical individuals have always seemed to have been you know men in that respect just my perception i guess hmm. i don't know yeah i don't think it's i just think it's i think it's human nature but i mean sure. it's another thing right. we can argue about <laughs> like <laughs> i think arguing. i yeah i think about the fact that like you know i don't have kids and so it's like doesn't mean that i didn't make an impression you know i have i have nieces and nephews i have other people i've mm -hmm. impacted but Sometimes I think about that too, you know, like where's, where's my legacy going and all that, but okay. Huh. So, um, during the final montage, we see Eva and Adam disappear. They're holding hands in the late 1800s. Stranger Jonas disappears as he looks at the St. Christopher pendant in 2053. Stranger Marta disappears as well as the chalkboard of names. Middle-aged Claudia disappears in front of the murder board. Yeah, you were and saying then we something cut to about black. This. Yep. Yeah. You were saying something about this earlier, and I think we see these things disappear, but the whole world obviously is going to, their whole world is going to be disappearing. Like we see these people disappearing, and we see the chalkboard words, and then the, like the murder board, but everything in the worlds, both of the worlds, is going to eventually disappear too. We're just seeing these choice things that we've connected with disappear first 
I wondered right. about that. I wondered if they were if the world was disappearing or just the people that are part of that are the not. I, I would know? think that because, the whole world um, would have to because otherwise the there would well yeah, because the people that knew them, it's not like they can like like even even somebody that even somebody that just vaguely knows Stranger Jonas, you know, in eighteen ninety, for example. Like maybe there's a general store down the street that he goes to every day to get some pipe or pipe tobacco or something. You know, that person will like realize that he's gone. So that memory of him is still there. So that's why I think that the whole world has to disappear because there's this like chain that connects everybody with everything in some sort of way. So they couldn't just disappear like unnoticed all those people. I think, I think my yeah. head memory goes. loss, memory loss. Does this <laughs> did memory loss. Um, I just saw a movie about that last night. Oh yeah. <laughs> we cut to black in the origin world. We are outside of the Conwald house or what we know as being the Conwald house a storm rages on but when we go inside the first thing we see is a family photo of burn doppler claudia and regina <laughs> this leads me to believe that this house actually belongs to regina in this world burned wears a yellow rain yellow orange jacket they look happy. It's quite a bomb to drop in the last nine minutes that Burned is Regina's father, or at least that's what the picture seems to imply. That is a wild. Well, it's a wild one. This this right here is like we're talking about the knot and who disappears and who doesn't. So yeah, Burnt exists outside of the knot, so he's fine. And I thought that was a really weird choice for her to like for him to be the father of Regina. So I had to like do some like thinking about this a lot. Like, how does that even make sense? <laughs> so the way it makes sense to me is like we met Claudia in 1953 when she was a little girl. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to say she was 13 at the time. Um, I mean, she might be a couple years older or younger. Let's just say 13. So she was born in 1940 and she's there um, tutoring little Helge, who mm -hmm. I'm guessing he's like 10 or 11 at that time. So if all that's true, that means that at the time that Claudia was 13, that burnt Doppler was somewhere around 30 because he would, you know, he would gone, he would have graduated from high school, gone to college, met Greta, had hell gay. So now he's about 30. That means there's like 17 years between the two of them, give or take which seems like a lot, but it's really not because when they really um, interact with each other, well, there's, there's no nuclear power plant in the origin world, but they will, they live in the same town and they're both very smart individuals, both like college educated. So they probably met some other way. And I'm guessing it must've been around 1970 is when these characters around this kitchen table were born because they're all about my age is what I've noticed because around 1986, they're all about 15 or 16, just like I was. So they're, I'm guessing Regina and everybody on that table was born about 1970. Mm -hmm. So that means that, you know, Claudia was about 25. Burnt was about 42 or 43, which really mm -hmm. isn't that outrageous of an age difference. I mean, it's a, it's a big age difference, but 
not out of the ordinary, nothing crazy. So it makes sense. And then it also makes sense, like the people at the party, you're getting ready to talk about them now, but I want to talk about who's not existing anymore. Cause that's important. Like who would have disappeared within the knot? I wrote okay, well, down. Let's, let's stick with burn first. I want to respond okay. to what you said about burn. Yes. Um, so one thing to remember is burned is not Helge's father. Um, not? yeah. Remember, uh, Greta tells Noah that oh. he was a, ch- was not a child of love. Right. Um, okay, sure. So Helge is not his child. Regina wow. is his child. And yeah, cause when I was working on my family tree, <laughs> I was like, it was hurting my, again, it was hurting my head trying to um, figure out all of Jonas's connections. Right. But um, a couple of things that happen in the show, Claudia is an employee. So yeah, it's kind of like when you, it's hard not to like want to go back to those scenes that we saw Claudia and burned in and be like, okay, at what point were they sleeping together? I guess it was before she got the job. Um, you know, which is kind of cringe, but okay. Um, she ends up being his heir apparent to the company instead of Helge, who's not really his child, but was raised as his child. Helge was, had some kind of developmental disability, probably a lot due to getting bashed in the face, maybe with a rock, um, that had an impact, but then, um, you know, so we just see that she's the one that has the brains. We saw that scene with them when he tells her, like, go for what you want. And he seems to be mm-hmm. a mentor at that point. So, yeah, yeah I absolutely. agree. It does make sense on some level, even though we'd kind of like it not to be true just because he is a lot older than her. And but OK, you know, um but they look really happy in this photo. And so yeah. that's that's the proof in the pudding here. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I totally buy that they are happy. I mean, I, I can't believe anything else, especially mm-hmm. knowing that Regina lives. So, of course, yeah. it's going to make Claudia happy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, dinner party. Moving, moving on to the dinner party. Okay. Did you want me to read the paragraph or did you want to go ahead and say something? Um, you, you seem ready to. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say who's not here at the dinner party and who's not going to be like in the origin world anymore. Mm-hmm. Like who had to have disappeared. We saw some people disappear, but who we didn't was um, Helge. He's not going to exist anymore. Noah, Bartosh, Jonas, Martha, Magnus and Mikkel. Um, there's not going to be any Peter because there's no Helge, so there can't be any Peter. Um, Wait, why do we, why are, I know that Helge wasn't at the dinner, but I still think mm-hmm. Helge could have existed. I don't think there's proof that, I don't know. What well, I, th- I thought that Regina was like a substitute for Helge. Like Helge is a child of evil, not supposed to exist. Um, that's kind of what Greta was telling us. And now in this origin world, you know, he's had... Regina instead. So I just kind of get the gist. If Helge does exist. But Peter does. Ex- in- also, Peter does exist. 
Peter's at the dinner party. So Helge has to Oh, have dang existed. it. So yeah, Helge does have to exist somewhere. Because he is he is Peter's dad. Mm-hmm. Helge is Peter's dad. He wasn't born in the knot. Whether or not it was a happy thing, right. that's separate. But he wasn't part of this knot. I was just completely under the impression when I made this list that Helge was Burnt's like biological kid. I forgot about that one fact. So yeah, there so there is a Peter that exists, but there is no Agnes though. Agnes doesn't exist without mm-hmm. the knot yeah. or Charlotte, Elizabeth, Francisca, and Trant. It's important that Trant can't be around because we know he's part of the knot because Claudia told us. And then Ulrich, mm-hmm. the uh, the great granddad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So who's left? Just a few. <laughs> yeah, and in like. The fact Ulrich's not around, so then Hannah and Katarina are friends. Yeah, there's no like <laughs> no middleman between <laughs> them, so they got to have yeah. a good time in high school instead. Mm-hmm. Um, so the group is having this dinner party with lasagna and wine, and a pregnant Hannah sits down. In attendance, Hannah, Waller, Katarina, Peter, Bernadette, and Regina. Hannah and Wooler are together as well as Peter and Bernadette. Mm-hmm. Everyone stares at Wooler, remarking that his eye looks much better and teasing him that he never told the story about what happened. Wooler's eye is scarred, but he doesn't wear an eye patch. After he swears them all to secrecy, he starts to tell the story, but the power goes out and the mystery remains unspoken. I like when shows do that. They give you a mystery and they never solve it. And I read somewhere that this guy who plays Waller actually did have an accident with his eye. And that's why they keep talking about this in the show. Um, But they never reveal what happened to his eye. But that's what I heard is that the actor came into the story with a, with a messed up eye. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, my thought when I, when I, this this scene is so cool, but and you know I am kind of when I see who's left, it is sort of disappointing because I'm like, all oh, the fun people are kind of gone. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Hannah's Hannah's fun, but it's like I'm glad Waller got Hannah. That's that's cool. He yeah, likes, he and knew he liked her. Yeah, and I like how they sort of channel this that Waller is you know he makes those remarks about Hannah to Clausen that you know mm-hmm. she could have had anybody. So he's obviously like, yeah, she's she's pretty. So Waller finally, I was going to say, Waller finally has a love story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He doesn't have to (laughs) be all like seething behind Ulrich's back anymore. He can just be his own man. (laughs) What were you saying before? I don't know. I think were you saying what fun people are missing? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Who 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 should be here that's not? I guess well, I guess like Bartosh, um, Ulrich, um I don't know. I don't know. Like Adam this group. <laughs> That'd be fun. Like <laughs> Noah. I mean Noah, come on. Mickle, I'm just thinking about like with Magnus. Yeah. Yeah, um, okay, Mick, Mickle and Magnus, true. But at this point, though, like, who is their age? I think I think this is a pretty good gang. This is not yeah. a bad gang. Like, when we made our, like, time travel gangs before and, like, see who had the best gang. Somebody, this, this not, 
Like somebody said today, they thought Bartosh did exist because of the rain jacket. But I'm going to keep going. What? Yeah, Um, keep going. What? Okay. (laughs) They joke that it's the apocalypse, but Regina gets up to find some candles. Hannah has a weird look on her face and Katerina checks in on her friend. Hannah gazes at a yellow rain jacket on top of a chair with a red pillow. Okay, so this is what I'm saying. They were mentioning this yellow rain jacket. Mm-hmm. The, um, if this is Regina's house, um, there's no Jonas. There's no Marta. So who's wearing this yellow rain jacket? Whose rain jacket is it? Peter's? Waller's? <laughs> I don't know. Any of the guests? Give me any of the guests. You think yeah. that's you? Oh, you think that you're saying that's Bartosh's rain jacket? He's like up in his room somewhere. Yeah, they were saying like this is this is actually Bartosh's rain jacket since it's at this house, <laughs> and he gets to wear it in this world. Um, <laughs> and that you know, Alexander does exist. This is a person that's you know is a strong advocate of Alexander oh. and Regina. So they're like, okay. why does Alexander have to not exist? Yeah, Regina's doesn't have a date here at this party, right? Yeah. Katarina and Regina are both, you know, stag. they're both stag. <laughs> yes. That doesn't mean that they're they're single. They could have people, so. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Alexander could be at her house waiting for her to come home. Well, and if this have, is her uh, house. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Alexander yeah. could be hanging out with Bartosh upstairs playing video games. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're right. Because Alexander is not part of the knot. Regina, no, no. And Bartosh's parents are Regina and Alexander. Regina and Alexander, yeah. Who both are not part of the knot. Yeah. Yes. There's a, there's bar, bar, I, I don't know if I agree with that person, <laughs> but I do agree that the potential is there. And yeah. so I'll buy that. I think that's Peter's rain jacket. <laughs> that's what I'll say, though. <laughs> he was looking at it, like, lustfully when Jonas was wearing it that day. He was did seem to that's really right. want that rain jacket. <laughs> Okay, so Katerina is gazing at the yellow rain jacket on top of a chair with a red pillow. Hannah mentions it feels like deja vu. She had a dream last night. The light was flickering. There was a loud bang, and then suddenly everything was dark, and somehow the world had ended. It was just dark, and it never became light again. I had this peculiar feeling that it was a good thing for everything to be over. Like suddenly being free of everything, no wanting, no having to, infinite darkness, no yesterday, no today, no tomorrow, nothing. Yeah, that is the words of a depressive, big time. But that's also like, that's describing exactly like what we were saying. Like, we think that those worlds ceased existing completely. And Mm -hmm. here it looks like Hannah is kind of confirming that. That there was a loud bang and then everything was just dark and the world had ended. And that was it. Um, when Hannah said when Hannah gave this speech is kind of when I when I decided that like that their entire worlds disappeared just based on this. Well, on the other hand, they could she could be saying that okay. The title of this episode is The Paradise. And this seriously just dawned on me as we were talking. Um, But there's there's this question Marta had for Jonas. Will anything of us remain? And 
one the like whose vision does this sound like um she describes this being a good thing the world had ended it was just dark uh it was a good thing for everything to be over Mm -hmm. Free of everything, no wanting, no having to, infinite darkness, no yesterday, no today, no tomorrow, nothing. Like, it sounds an awful lot like Adam's vision of paradise that Noah kept churning out. Exactly. Which could be why this episode is called The Paradise, because this represents that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so maybe this this is actually like the remnants of Jonas's existence. Right. Coming out of Hannah's mouth. That's right. And like the raincoat's there to kind of solidify it. Mm -hmm. And then maybe we'll get a season four because of what she says next. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, this is wild. Like, this is not what I would say. That's not like when you say like, close your eyes and picture anything you want. (laughs) What would it be? You know, you probably talk about light or, you know, and world peace or free love for everybody, (laughs) you know, free money, all the money in the world. And she just like nothing. (laughs) It's like the, uh, yeah. Nietzsche, like his vision, like nothing. That's what we want. I think it's poignant though, because she's the one who always like noticed people. She noticed Helene. She noticed Mikkel. Like she, uh, (laughs) She, she, it seems like she's a person that kind of cares about people and will notice them. And so she, mm-hmm. maybe she's like in tune, you might say, a little bit. Maybe a little bit mm-hmm. too much. And so I think maybe she's just in tune with the deja vu that happened. And like Jonas did leave an impression on her because she is an impressionable person that like notices the little things like that. And mm-hmm. so, you know, she's the one that was that you know, has this observation. Mm -hmm. So the group teases her a little saying she needs to get that looked at. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. That's a good joke. (laughs) And maybe hormones. Uh, Regina asks if the world were to end today and you had one wish, what would you wish for? Katarina decides a world without Winden, a haunting shadow of thoughts from Ulrich and Hannah's secret relationship. They all drink to that thought. It's a bleak reminder that although the knot has been severed and trauma put to rest or Tannhaus's trauma put to rest, this group is far from happy about their lives. The lights come back on and Wooler mentions he's happy that Wendon still exists. Wooler's happy, glancing meaningfully at her <laughs> belly. They kiss and the group asks if the baby has a name yet. After a moment, Hannah mentions that she thinks Jonas is a beautiful name and cut. Yeah, I think that's proof that like Jonas has left his mark on the world. I mean, there he goes. He's going to come back. And they cut to like a great Nina song, of course. Like, I like how they end on that Nina song. I, I enjoyed that better than the uh, the Wonderful World song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad, yeah, I'm glad she, Waller um, got a little bit here. Yeah, she also, I noticed Hannah, again, looks at the camera. When she says, um, (laughs) I think Jonas is a beautiful name, she looks right at the camera. And this Mm. is like a little framing device that Bo and Yantja seem to like a lot. They use it in 1899, too. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was, you know, they did it 
earlier in this episode when Marta and Jonas are ready to enter into um, the story with Merrick and Sonia. So they do, and then they do it here at the very end. And so it's like, it's a little wink and a nod to the audience, I guess, that, you know, what do you think about that? Yeah. You know, we're going to name the baby Jonas. <laughs> I think it's I think it's a great way to end it. I think it's a great wrap up. There's not many shows that like end as well as this one did. And mm-hmm. you know, I love TV. I've seen lots of shows. I've seen lots of endings of shows. And usually shows just end and they end. They don't there's not a huge explanation. Well, a lot of shows aren't as intricate as dark either. But I think yeah. that that could that can also serve as like an even bigger compliment that this show is so complicated and they did such a great job of wrapping everything up, not leaving a whole lot like on the table. Like they could have easily like cheated (laughs) along the way and not explained some points to us, but they didn't. I mean, I think everything was, um, for was foreshadowed. Well, written well, executed well, ended well, and that's so rare for that to like for a show to have that kind of momentum all the way through. Yeah. I don't really think I have any complaints about the ending at all or this or this episode at all, except for that running Jonas running. Um, besides that, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does have my two points that I made that, that I didn't love. And that's not even really that huge of an issue. Um, I I, do, I don't think this is like the best episode of Dark, though. I mean, this is a great ending of a show, but there's other episodes of Dark that I enjoy more. Like the last episode, episode seven. I think that was like a more like fun episode. Um, this episode has been like in the making for the past like three or four episodes of the show. Like the last four episodes were kind of like a huge ending. So I don't know, for some reason, yeah, I don't mark this as like my favorite episode of the show. I would put it in the top five for sure. I don't know. Just because I don't think this is the best episode doesn't mean that I don't think this is like the best ending of a show ever because it is. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Sounds like a contradiction, but it makes sense to me. Yeah. I don't know if it's... If I have a rating for like a ranking of my favorite episodes, but I do think this episode really takes you on a roller coaster ride. It, you know, there's there's like the conversation, the long monologue with Claudia. Then there's like the little adventure between Martha and Jonas. Then the wormhole and the, the uh, you know the family stopping the crash from happening and then this dinner party there's just a lot of ebbs and flows and i do appreciate the variety the variety of that yeah do you want to this is gonna be a tough question but i mean (laughs) out of this episode do you think there's a standout person that you uh that you think you want to give it to just this episode not the whole series but this mm-hmm. episode, who do you think, um, who did it the most for you? <laughs> who did it the most for me? Um, 
who is my favorite episode character this episode i feel like it could be different like depending on the year or the month or whatever um (laughs) you mean like within this episode yeah like there's there's just a lot of important you know like even there's we have Merritt coming in last Mm -hmm. last second and he really Mm -hmm does a remarkable job with so little time mm-hmm. and we even, you know, enter his conversation, you know, we enter into his life <laughs> mid conversation. And I just feel like he nails his performance and with so little, he just really nails it. And as well yeah. as, as Sonia. Um, but I think right now today, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give my favorite character award. Yeah, I'm going to have to give it to Marta. Martha, wow. Yeah, yeah. okay. Explain yourself. <laughs> that's an interesting choice. Yeah, well, I was going to say Jonas. <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, but he was so frozen. <laughs> he was so, like, was. awkward. Right. But I, I, I think I appreciated in this episode, um, I appreciated seeing her emotional journey of, of having to, again, see this person crash and again, crash into her world literally and be like, all right, um, I'm going to follow you. And I just, I like how she plays her role, like the emotional journey she takes us on. Um, it's very powerful. So I could, I could probably defend many characters being my favorite mm-hmm. character, but that's just that's what right. came out of my mouth today. How about okay. you, Steve? Fair. Yeah. I, I, it could be many people also. I, I, it never occurred to me to be Martha. Um, so that's why I was a little surprised. Um, it occurred to me to maybe be Jonas because he like pulled this miracle out of his ass. Um, don't know how, but he managed to do it, but you're right. He was, you know, not exactly a magnetic figure. Like he, he didn't like fill me with a bunch of joy. And then I was thinking Claudia because, you know, I, I can appreciate and respect how much she's doing behind the scenes and how much she's masterminding. But I think she, I think for this episode, though, and I'm saying but because I'm not choosing Claudia, <laughs> obviously, mm-hmm. I'm agreeing with what you said. This is the only chance that Merrick will ever have to be the favorite character. So I'm going to give it to him, to Merrick, just because of like, you know, the importance that he plays, the fact that this is the only chance he's got. This is also Sonya's only chance too, but mm-hmm. I do think she kind of took a back seat to Merrick here because Merrick ran the whole gamut of emotions, whereas Sonya pretty much just stuck to like being like a, a stoic like supporter of Merrick. Merrick is mad at his dad, then he's like runs out, then he sees the angels, and then he like wants to help them, and then he changes his mind and he has that gut feeling. And then he trusts that feeling and then he goes back home and hugs his dad. I mean, it's a victory. I mean, I enjoyed watching Merrick more than more than anybody else in the episode. So, mm-hmm. like, theoretically, it should be Claudia. 
but just for me, for my own enjoyment, for watching Merrick. And plus, he looks like Nick Kroll to me. Like if Nick Kroll <laughs> had like long hair, this is what he would look like. And I've always been a Nick Kroll fan. I've always thought he was cool looking. So Merrick is cool looking too. Mm-hmm. I'm giving it to Merrick. And my least favorite, choice. least favorite, I'll tell you right now, is not Martha, but I'm going to say my least favorite would be Eva in this episode. Not necessarily because she like sucked hard or anything, but just like the big reveal that she knew about this, um, this, this half second of time she knew about this, but instead of like, you know, changing things, she has just been perpetuating the knot, even though she knew about this. So that kind of makes her like a, a bad guy, you know? <laughs> and, you know, then she like made Martha kill Jonas earlier. That didn't happen this episode, of course, but I remember that. So <laughs> I think, I mean, I don't think there's anybody that's like truly awful. I mean, I did mention that Adam's a murderer, but everybody is. But yeah, I'm going to say Eva just because she knew about that little that little snippet of time and she didn't tell anybody about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you haven't forgiven forgiven her yet for nope. um, for what she did last episode. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it was mean. And the slice across the face to her younger self, that's unnecessary too. Yeah. Yeah, this episode is really difficult to come to really come up with the least favorite character just mm-hmm. because everybody does. I mean, even Hannah does like so good with her her last few yeah. moments. That's right. Um, but I guess if I have to give it to somebody, it's going to be Tanhouse. <laughs> Tanhouse. Yeah, for being a crappy father. <laughs> Well, I guess that's true. Okay. <laughs> I didn't even consider him. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely not the worst father we've seen on the show. True. Um wonder who I'd give that award to. Uh but yeah, it's it's like <laughs> like uh you you for you to say, um, Dad, I want you to see me. Well, it is raining outside. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> all right, that's all you have to say about that. You know, even if it's hard for you, yeah, he was kind of, you mentioned the word almost autistic. It's like, yeah, maybe it's like uh, he's, what do they call that, Um, neurodivergent some way, Mm -hmm. you know, that his thinking is different, but. Absolutely. Get, but like, talk to somebody about it and get some help expressing your emotions so your kids know (laughs) you care. (laughs) Fair. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Yeah. I'm sticking with Eva, but I, I can totally respect that choice for Dan House. Yeah, he killed this whole world. So <laughs> even more fuel for the fire. Yeah. But wow, that was the recap. I mean, where do we go from here, Lindsay? Um, do we have anything else we're going to wrap up? We're going to have to keep talking about Dark because I think there's so many points we glossed over here um, due to time. But did you have anything else for us before we uh, before we wrap up this episode, Lens? Um. Okay, so I want to save the most of this stuff. There's more stuff in the recap. I want to save most of it for the wrap up episode. But I do want to shout out this thing about the floor plans. Um, that we were talking about the fact that the house at the end where the dinner party takes place. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I became aware of this of this um, discrepancy about the floor plan by listening to another part podcast, the Dark Companion podcast. They have an episode. Mm-hmm. It's like their third to last episode. It's called Scar Tissue. It's an episode all dedicated to Jonas slash Adam and his journey. It's not a recap podcast. They they did episodes on each character or different themes, and so. Halfway through the episode, they kind of take a slight detour and talk about the dinner party and how the house is actually a combo floor plan um, between the Nielsen house and the Conwald house. And I put a link in the recap and to where to the show notes where they have pictures of that. And I just encourage you if you want to know more about that kind of interesting theory about the house i encourage you to listen to that episode anybody who's still listening right now is going to check that out Lindsay. because if they're still listening to our podcast at this point they're really in the dark <laughs> so they're going to check out that link just like me that's just fascinating the way they the way they do this show and we're all fascinated by it so <laughs> we all want to check out every link there is about dark (laughs) and i just want to shout out that podcast in general because before i did you know before i found steve and we decided we were going to do this i was looking for a really great dark podcast and i found their podcast and what i what i think is interesting about it is the fact that it's not a recap you can find several dark recap podcasts um we like to think ours is, is one is the best if not one mm-hmm. of the best but mm-hmm. it is <laughs> the, it, but these it's three girls from the geek generation i think they're part of that conglomerate but i just really enjoyed so their their podcast is for like once you've watched the whole show then come they encourage you like not to listen to them because they spoil things from mm-hmm. the first episode and so um if you like what i do if you like my perspective and what I've brought to this show, I just encourage you to um, consider listening to their podcast. It's obviously it's a it's a couple years old now, but it's um, it just opened my opened my eyes on several. And I don't even finish listening to because there's a couple episodes on like Nietzsche, which I think I was like I'm not as interested in that, but um, and the science. Mm-hmm. So they have they take several perspectives. So I just think that they have a very unique niche so um maybe that could be your next one of the next things you listen to if you want to continue your appreciation of dark yeah that sounds great and yeah like the the subject matter is evergreen so even though it was recorded a couple years ago like somebody could be listening to this episode years in the future as well because they have just finished dark and they want something to listen to. And most of our stuff we talk about here is evergreen as well, because we're just talking about the show that the person had just watched. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, recommend recommending the other podcast is great. Um, Cause I'm a huge podcast listener myself. We're going to continue um, with our podcast as well. So, I mean, if you're listening to this, that means you're subscribed to either sweet child of time or to one of my stories. So Keep subscribed to us because Lindsay's going to keep doing her thing. And my plan is just to keep podcasting as well with the co-hosts that I have. Even though I'm technically out of material now, I'm going to continue doing um, 
watching some movies with uh, I've already I've already committed to a couple of movies I'm going to watch with Nate and Lindsay. I'm going to continue talking about Wheel of Time with uh, James and with Corwin. So I still plan to release um, Sweet Child of Time episodes. Lindsay still plans to release one of my stories. So you'll be, still be hearing both of us. Um, this is a goodbye for the dark recap, though. Um, we're very glad if you're listening to this. That means you've listened to all of them. So thank you very much. Um, stay tuned for what else we got going on. And I guess I'm wrapping it up. It sounds like I am. It sounds mm-hmm. like I'm on the way home here, Lindsay. So uh, I suppose it's time to, to, to say good evening and thank everybody. And I hope everybody finds water and shade and shoes. I hope you keep um, being a dark fan and listening to the podcast. Lindsay, thank you very much for all your recaps. This has been wonderful. It's been great for me because I've been recapping Wheel of Time, but I got to write those recaps. So with this, you're doing the honors. Um, I feel like you're doing 75% of the work. So thank you very much for doing that. Well, thanks for saying that, Steve, but it's definitely a group effort. And just know that probably if uh, Bo and Yanti come out with more shows, we're probably going to talk about those too. So we're we're sticking Absolutely. with our love of dark ways stuff. So you haven't heard the last of Steve and Lindsay. Heck no. <laughs> so yeah, until next week. Thank you very much, everybody. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Bye.